All right. Well, let's get started this morning in song. We're going to sing to God be the glory. I didn't realize it, but looking over all these songs, the, the theme of the worship as far as songs go is uh, God's name should be praised no matter what our situation is. Amen. So let's think about that this morning. Let's praise God's name. One, two. To God be the glory, great things He has done. So loved He the world that He gave us His Son, who yielded His life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give Him the glory, great things He has done. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest defender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give Him the glory, great things He has done. Great things. He has taught us great things He has done And great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son But purer and higher and greater will be Our wonder, our victory when Jesus we see Praise the Lord, praise the Lord let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give Him the glory, great things He has done. Once more, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give Him the glory, great things He has done. Praise God. Good seeing you this morning. I praise the Lord for each one of you that was able to, to brave the Super Bowl weekend and get here, amen? No, just kidding. It is good seeing everybody. I don't know what your plans are for the rest of the day, but every day should be started out praying and worshiping the Lord, amen? 
So that's what we're going to hear to do this morning. I praise God for you being able to come this today. And let's go to him in prayer. Father God, I do come before you thanking you for, for those who are here. We just lay them at your feet and just ask, Lord, that you will pour out a, a, a heavenly anointing upon this service today. May we feel your presence in such a mighty, mighty way that there's no way wherever we go throughout the rest of this day that we cannot say that we stood in your presence this morning. So, Father, I pray your will to be done in each heart that's here. And God, those that couldn't be here today, I know some are traveling, some are getting ready for the wedding later, some are, are doing Super Bowl things, but all those that couldn't be here today, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will make yourself known to them, that not only are you God here, you're God there, and that you're God everywhere, Lord God. So, Father, we just pray your will to be done here today. And Lord, I do lift up a, a, a special prayer request too for, for Dustin, Lord God, I just pray that you continue to knit his fingers together and just make him whole, Lord God, and just let him know that though he's not here, and though his physical body may be hurting, that you can touch his spiritual body, and may he feel your presence today, Lord. So God, we just praise you for who you are, what you are, and God, may you look down on this service today and just say, those are my children down there in Sutherland Springs. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. 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 As I said, it's good seeing everybody this morning. Walk around, shake somebody's hand this morning. And tell them it's good to see them in God's house today. Hello, my name is Regret. I'm pretty sure we have met. Every single day of your life, I'm the whisper inside that won't let you forget. Hello, my name is Defeat. I know you recognize me Just when you think you can win I'll drag you right back down again Till you've lost all belief Oh, these are the voices Oh, these are the lies And I Amazing grace is the song 
All right, guys, as we gather back to our seats, just a few announcements I want to get throw out there this morning. Uh, I, as I said earlier, and last week as well, there is no church service this evening, not because it's the Super Bowl. Usually we would have had a Super Bowl bash party of type. Uh, but, that, but the reason being, Trisha Selig is, has her wedding this afternoon. So be in prayer for Trisha and Dan as they'll be vowing themselves one to another in the eyes of God. And, and I truly, when you lift them in prayer, let me say that in all my counselings with, with marital, premarital counselings and marriages and such, I feel such a good spirit about these two. So praise God for that. But lift them in your prayer anyway. And as it says in your both and former youth member, that made me think of something else I want to share with you. This past week, Thursday evening, I was able to go and teach in the youth building. Uh, they wanted me to, to speak about divorce and adultery and what the scriptures has to say to that. And let me say that, that counting uh, uh, myself and Carla and Corey, there was 27 people in there. That's a lot of youth in one room. And they were incredibly, you know, people like to think the youth are this and the youth are that. They talk, they bitch, but rah. they were incredibly respectful. They had in great questions. They were listening. It was a true joy to go back there and teach our youth this past week. So praise the Lord. When you see our youth, I want you to know that they are seeking, they are searching, and praise God that God is working in there as well. Amen? So I had a great Thursday back there. Um, so praise the Lord for that. So, But keep Tricia and, your, and, and Dan Zarowski in your prayers for the service today and save got up early and started putting flowers and all that kind of stuff. You know, another testimony, too, I share this in Sunday school, but let me say this. Just kind of an idea as to, to how the feel of their, their wedding, uh, I, it done my heart well to know that rather than to hold to the tradition of the, the wife not seeing, the, the bride-to-be not seeing the, the groom on the day of, instead they allotted 30 minutes for them to just to pray together before the ceremony. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When, that, when a marriage starts off in prayer... That's a good, good, solid ground to stand on. The only other thing I'll pull out of here for you is uh, February 20th, um, Brother Juan Ruiz, if you, if you, he's our Spanish pastor. His wife has been battling some things going on for a while. They're going to have a benefit on February 20th to help offset some of those medical bills. So if you would like to help support uh, Brother Juan and, and, and Sylvia, uh, there will be a benefit here in the fellowship hall on the 20th. And um, there was one more, oh, staff meeting. And tomorrow evening is staff meeting. So, guys, if you can make staff meeting, I want to encourage you to be here tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, and let's get everything in a row and get everything going there also. The, the other thing I guess I'll, I'll say, I guess it's kind of already foregone knowledge now. However, some folks did ask me this weekend. I'll take full responsibility for it, uh, full heat for it, but no one came to me with any interest in the, uh, in the Valentine's banquet. Therefore, I forgot. I forgot to set it up. You know, I just, I forgot to get with people. I forgot to get everything going. And so this year, we're just not, we're not going to have a, a Valentine's banquet here at the church. That being said, that's a good opportunity for you guys to take your spouses out somewhere and and show them that you're, they're your valentine. Amen? I know my wife, it's her birthday as well, so this will be the first time in a long time 
that, that it'll just be she and I on her birthday for that. But I do apologize for forgetting. That's the only thing I can say is I forgot uh, to set it up. Okay. And we were just praying for you, son. Uh, son sorry. Dustin, how are you doing? All right. All right. Well, we're going to keep praying mainly for your wife, but praying. <laughs> uh-oh. 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 Spoken like a true brother-in-law. Amen. Well, we've been praying for you, brother, and we're going to keep it up. Amen? Hope you get feeling better soon. Amen. John, you got scripture reading this morning? It's good to see you in here this morning. I didn't, didn't figure you would make it in. He won't remember it. <laughs> Amen. Father God, I come before you. I lift up John to you, and I thank you for this opportunity to, to hear your word through him. So God, just bless his willingness and his obedience in sharing the passage of Scripture reading for us today. And may you just, just speak through him in a way that he knows it's you. And may you, we hear you through him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, amen. brother. Thank you. In Matthew 6, uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus tells us how to pray, uh, starting in verse 5. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. I assure you, they've got their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who sees in se- who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will re- reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the idolaters since they imagine their words will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Therefore, you should pray like this. And here He gives us a model prayer. It's like a template, uh, and it gives us a good uh, idea of things that we could include in our prayers when we, when we go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. So your name is perfect and above all names. You are perfect and above all names. May your kingdom come, and your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So we're asking for his will to be done, not necessarily our will, but his will. Give us today our daily bread, that is, give us what we need to get through the day. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So we're asking for his forgiveness, but also we have to forgive too. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So we're asking him to uh, protect us from evil, protect us from that temptation. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. His is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And that speaks for itself. It all speaks for itself. And then in verse 14, For if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, your Father will not forgive your wrongdoing. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this model prayer that you gave us. And we uh, praise your glorious name. And we ask now that you would uh, speak through the musicians coming forward and, and Pastor Frank and also that you would uh, continue to use us in your kingdom according to your will. We thank you for your many blessings. In the name of Jesus, for yours is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. 
Amen. It's hard not to laugh and smile at that. All right. Let's continue in song this morning. If you guys would like to rise and sing or take a comfortable place of worship. Again, like I said, the the theme for this morning is God's name be praised no matter what our situation. Amen. Let's sing about that. We're going to sing Mighty to Save. Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. And everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior. The hope of nations. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me, all my fears and failures, fill my life again, I give my life to follow everything I believe in, now I He is mighty to save forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. He's our Savior. He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing. 
for the glory of the risen King. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. He's our Savior. He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Blessed be your name. In the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow, blessed be your name. And blessed be your name, found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to grace. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will sing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name When the sun is shining down on me When the world's all as it should be Blessed be your name And blessed be your name On the road marked with suffering Though there's pain in the offering Blessed be your name Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. choose to say Lord blessed be your name again you give and take away you give and take away and my heart will choose to say 
Lord, blessed be your name. And every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I'm going to say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Every blessing you pour out, turn back to praise. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, and worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, and worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. Your in love and you're slow to anger your name is great and your heart is kind for all your goodness I will keep on singing ten thousand reasons for my heart to find bless the strength is failing 
The end draws near And my time has come Still my soul will sing your praise Unending Ten thousand years and then forevermore Forevermore Bless the Lord, oh my soul Oh my soul And worship His holy name Sing like your holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship His holy name and sing like never before. Oh my soul, worship your holy. Worship your holy name, Lord. I will worship your holy name. Today, in Jesus' name, Amen. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. You can be seated this morning. We have, it looks like we're trying to get a guest speaker today. She keeps coming up. Yeah, okay, awesome. Ah, there you go. Did you hear that, Sarah? She knew to be at the altar with her praises unto the Lord. Amen. You know, I, I didn't think to say it earlier, too, when we were praying for Dusty. Dustin, the, you notice Bob's not up here as well. Uh, I was told he's had the cough and that stuff going on as well, and there's quite a few others, too. So this week, as you're thinking about uh, church friends and such, make sure we lift one another up that for health and just mainly that our eyes stay on the Lord. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. We're going to be looking this morning. At, I believe that when the Lord laid this on my heart, it's because it's, it's not something that just affects one or two people. I think all of us at one time or another whether we've been there now or going to be, I think all of us have fallen at one point or another. And so the question I would start with this morning is, have you ever fallen down spiritually while trying to run that race for Christ? That, that you're doing what you know you're supposed to be doing, however Satan sticks his leg out there or whatever, however he does it, but he trips you up and you, and you find yourself falling. Let me say this right off the bat. You're not a failure because you fall. That only happens if you choose not to get back up. If you, if you get up just once more than you fall, then you're a success. Why? Because you're found standing upon your feet. In Proverbs chapter 24, and you can write this down or go back and, and, and highlight it later, but Proverbs chapter 24 verse 16 says, For a just man falls seven times and rises up again. However, the wicked shall fall into mischief. What is that saying? 
The just man may fall over and over. Repetitively, he falls, but he gets back up. It's that man that chooses, that woman that chooses, that individual who chooses when they fall to stay there. The wise saying there in the book of Proverbs, that one who stays there falls into mischief. Why? Because we start to allow it to become an excuse. Or we'll start believing in the thought that Satan tries to throw at us that we are some kind of failure. What would you think about a preacher who would go and, 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 and cuss and swear in front of the teenagers? Just, just, just go out there and say ugly stuff. And then even go a little further than that, maybe even deny the Lord. You wouldn't think very highly of that preacher, would you? However, that is what Peter did. Peter did exactly that. And yet, God gave him a new start, and Peter learned, even though he failed at that moment in time, Peter learned to fail forward. He learned to not just lie there in that failure, but to get up and keep moving forward. Not backwards, but keep moving ahead. Let's look at this passage of Scripture this morning. It's a passage of Scripture, I guess, that a lot of folks tend to read at Easter. But again, this is what the Lord laid on my heart. So starting in verse 54, Luke 22, starting in verse 54. They seized him and led him away and brought him to the high priest's house, talking of Jesus. Meanwhile, Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, and Peter sat amongst them. When a servant saw him sitting in the firelight and looking closely at him, she said, This man was with him too. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. After a little while, someone else saw him and said, You're one of them too. Man, I am not, Peter said. About an hour later, another kept insisting, This man was certainly with him since he's also a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went outside and he wept bitterly. We see a moment in time in Peter's life. We can look at all the great things Peter's done, but let's stop and and, and concentrate right there for just a moment. Failure does not have to be a hitching post, folks. It does not have to be something where we just stop. It can be a guidepost. It can be a directional focus. It can lead us into a direction that we needed to go. We can learn from our failures and our sins. God has a way of bringing good out of bad. Amen? Some people have have, have low self-esteem, and so they think that, that God sees them as a composite of all their failures. That God looks at them and, and says, oh, you just are one big mess up. But folks, let me tell you this morning that that's not so. When God forgives, he forgets. Now, we tend to say, well, that's scriptural. We're supposed to forgive and forget. No, not us. We forgive. It doesn't say in the scriptures that we can forget. We, we have these things in our mind, and we will remember them sometimes. It'll help give us wisdom and guide us. But we can forgive. But God, he does. He forgives and he says he takes those sins and things and puts them as far as the east is from the west, to the very bottom of the trenches. God doesn't hold them against us. That's not to say there's no consequences, but from a judgmental perspective, God says, you have truly repented. You've truly given them all to me. I do not hold these against you any longer. Folks, when we fail, we are to look up. We are to look back to God. 
and say, Father, here I am. And there's something we should notice in the midst of our failures. If we fail God, you know, I, let me change that. Not, not just in the midst of our failures. We should notice this now before they come up. If you think about the failures you've had in your past, most of the time I would say that when we fail God, it's probably at the point of our greatest strength. Now, what do I mean by that? Peter's greatest strength was his courage. Peter was a very courageous man. We criticize Peter for taking his eyes off Jesus when he was walking out on the water, when he stepped out of the boat. But praise God, he had the courage on the Sea of Galilee to step out of the boat. He was a courageous man, and he was walking on water because of his courage. We've missed that part sometimes. Oh, he didn't have faith, and so he sank. He took his eyes off the Lord. He had courage enough to at least get out of the boat. How many of us could do the same? He was a courageous person. When they came to arrest Jesus, Peter pulls out his sword to defend him and tries to take off the head of one of them. He was a courageous man. He didn't care he was outnumbered by these soldiers. I'll protect you, Jesus. He draws his sword. Peter was a courageous individual. But yet this big, burly fisherman with all this courage cowered down before a teenage girl. When they said, oh, you were one of them too. His area of greatest strength was his courage. Moses. Moses, the Bible says that he was the meekest amongst men. Meek meaning, meekness meaning strength under control. He had great power, but he was able to control it. He was, he was the meekest among men. But yet, what did he do? He lost control of his temper and, and goes and he, in, in, with all his emotions going, and he kills the Egyptian. Kills that Egyptian, and a little bit later, we see him losing temper, his temper again. Here's a man that's been said that he is the meekest amongst men. He loses his temper, and he smotes the rock twice. And Jesus said, I told you to just do it once. There was consequences to his action. But in his strongest area was his greatest failure. Abraham, he is called the, the, the father of faith. But when he left Canaan, if you remember the story, and went into Egypt, he lied about Sarah being his wife because he didn't have enough faith to believe that God would protect him. And he failed in his area of strength. David, the, 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 the picture of purity, the apple of God's eye, if you will, a man after God's own heart. We know the story. He commits adultery and he fails in that area of his strength. And he falls down. None of these failed. None of these men that I just shared here, and the scriptures that's filled with people, none of them failed in their weakness, but they failed in their strength. Now, why is that? We're, we're, Pastor, how did you, how, where are you going with that? We have a tendency to leave our strengths unguarded. Oh, I'm strong in that area. I don't need to focus there. Folks, let me tell you this morning, an unguarded strength, is a double weakness. Because Satan knows what we think. And we're standing at that point on our own arrogance. We're standing on our own strength rather than standing on God's strength. If you remember, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when I am weak, then I am strong. In other words, when I am, am, not, and when I am not depending on myself, but I am depending on the Lord, that's when things are great. Folks, pride comes before destruction. And, and, and he that, that 
that thinks he is strong needs to take heed. When we think we can do something on our own, when we think we got this part figured out, when we think we're all powerful in this area or the other, that's when we're not standing fully on the Lord, and that's where Satan sneaks in. And that's where the failures come in. Look at verse 33. We didn't read verse 33, but look at verse 33 real quick. Verse 33, he says, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Now, who's saying that? Peter, with exclamation marks. There's that courage again. Lord, I'll stand with you. I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. He's ready. You know, he's got that, he's standing. That's his strong area. And we can admire Peter's stance at first glance there. But there's a difference between saying, I can do all things through Christ, and I can do all things. There's a huge difference there. I'll do this for you, Lord. Rather than, Lord, what would you have me to do? The boastful man is tempting the devil to tempt him. You see, before we sin out there, the devil is a tempter. After we sin, he becomes the accuser. Before we sin, he says, oh, you know, go ahead. No one will know. Oh, go. You can get away with it. Just go ahead and do it. But after we sin, you know what he says? Ah, you'll, you never will get away with that. You blew it now. You're, you're, you're used to, you might as well not even try to serve God ever again. Why, what makes you think that God would have anything to do with you now? You see, Satan's goal is not only to make us fail, but to make us stay down. And that's where we make the mistake. We think we're strong in an area, and, and we, we tempt Satan into coming there because we're standing there mostly under our own power rather than on God's power. And then when he comes in, he just whispers those little things. Oh, you can do this. Yeah, go ahead, try. You can do that. But as soon as you do, who do you think you are? God doesn't want anything to do with you. That's why we need to learn to fail forward. Rather than staying down, we need to get back up and learn from those things that happen around us, that God still loves us. You see, there's some wonderful truths in that story, that passage we just read. Even when we fail, God is still sovereign. Sovereign means in control, folks. God is still sovereign. In verse 60, it says there that that the rooster was crowing. That rooster crowing is a testimony that God was still in control. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Roosters crow all the time. The Lord had to have shut the beaks of hundreds of roosters until the precise moment that Peter had to deny him the third time. It said when that rooster crowed the third time, that means that, that, that all those roosters that would have been wanting to crow, God shut their mouth until it was time. God is still in control. Peter right there in verse 61, he's at his worst. He's at his lowest. He's at his, his falling. He, 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 he is out of control. He is failing, and everything's going out of control for him. And then all of a sudden, here comes the message that God's still in control. When that rooster crowed, that, that God was pointing out, I still have everything right where I said it would happen. Oftentimes, guys, we, we, when we fail God, We forget that He never fails us. He's still right there. When I am not as faithful to Him as I should be, He is still faithful to me. I'm not so great, but how great Thou art. And that's what we need to remember. That no matter how large our failure may seem, 
my God's still sovereign. I can still fail forward. I can still get back up. I need to remember that when, when, when I feel despair, when I feel like everything's out of control, God's still in control. He's still sovereign. He can shut the beaks of all the roosters. He can shut the mouths of all the accusers. Uh, he can still pick me back up and put me back on a pathway, regardless of what the people may say. Because he's the one who's ultimately in control. Not anyone else. When Romans 8.28 says all things work together for good, let me tell you that means also our failures. If we will allow him to do so. If we will get back up and put that failure in his hands. If we pick up the broken pieces and, and, and bring them to the Lord and, and trust in his holy word, and we bring there and, and, and put them there, he will put them back together and, and, and make our life complete just by laying the broken pieces down at the Savior's feet. He is the one who melds it all back. You may feel like you've blown it. You may feel like you've done something incredibly stupid. And maybe you have. I have. You may have done something that you think is just beyond compare. But let me tell you this morning, no matter what you have done, God still has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, pastor, how can you make such a promise? Because you're still breathing. As long as there's breath in your body, God has a plan for your life. No matter how bad you may have messed up, no matter what you may have said, no matter how far you have turned, if you will turn back to the Lord and say, I recognize that I failed, I fell in the mud, but I know you can pick me up. God has a plan for you. And he will wrap his arms around you. When we fail, folks, not only is God sovereign, he's sympathetic. He hears us. The moment Peter denied, the moment that that, that that rooster crowed and, and Peter denied, he turned and he saw his Lord. Their eyes locked. Their eyes locked together. And he did not see a, a look of disappointment. He didn't see a look of anger. He saw a look of love. Here he is in the midst of his failure. But God looked at him and said, I already knew. I already knew. Folks, God is not changing us so that he can... Because, because, wait God is not changing us so he can love us. He loves us and that's why he's changing us. He loves us enough to bring us beyond what we think we are. He loves us enough to reach in and change who we are and make us into something greater. God does not love us because we're valuable. We are valuable because he loves us. I have nothing to offer. All I have sometimes are my failures, my weaknesses. But yet I can look into the eyes of my Lord. And just as Peter did that fateful day, I can see that compassion. God loves us too much to leave us in the same condition that we are. And he'll use whatever it takes to change us. Psalms chapter 10 says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth that those that fear him, because he knoweth their frame and remembereth they've been made out of the dust. God knows who we are. God knows we're not perfect. God knows we're not superhuman. I don't care what Marvel Comics says. God knows what we've been made of. God knows our heart. God knows that there's going to be failures. His grace is sufficient to bring it back together. That does not give us a license to sin. 
No, Paul said, heaven forbid. We should not do that. We should not use it as a license to sin. And I would say anyone who views it in such a way is still lost and don't know the Lord. But to say that we should never fail, that's wrong also. To fail and to say, well, I have to stay here? No. It's good to know not only is he sympathetic, he is sovereign, he is still in control, he loves me, and if I will put my failure in his hands and, 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 and accept the consequences that may come, I can say, Father God, I am so sorry, but I can still move forward. You know, a couple of weeks ago I was at a luncheon with a bunch of pastors and a, and a story was said that, that this came back to me yesterday when I was up here praying. I cannot remember the wife's name. It, it was a, an older type of name, but, but Mr. York was the gentleman's name. But this pastor relayed this story, someone in his church, but he was talking about how this elderly couple, they'd been married for quite a long time. The wife, whom I can't remember her name, got Alzheimer's. And the Alzheimer's progressed to a point where she eventually became totally incoherent. She, nothing she said made sense. And Mr. York had to take over everything, basically. He fed her, he bathed her, there was diapers, etc. He was just doing absolutely everything. And, and the pastor said that one day, while he was just sitting in his chair in his living room, his, his wife just miraculously stepped out of the illness for a moment and looked at her husband and, and said, do you really still want me? And he said that the husband was relaying this story to him said that he looked at her and, and, and jumped up and tears in his eyes around and said, of course I want you. The greatest privilege in my life is taking care of you. And said, he said that the wife smiled, laid her head on his chest, but then unfortunately just as quickly as she came out of the illness, she stepped back into the illness. But I thought of this yesterday when I was praying over this sermon. I think sometimes we feel that way after failing God. I think sometimes when we go to the Lord, we are too embarrassed to ask Him in prayer for forgiveness for that same old sin again. I think sometimes we go before the Lord and we're too embarrassed. We just want to say, why would you want me? Do you really want me? Because we know that God's got to clean us up again. The same thing He forgave us for before. The same failure, I did it again, Lord. And, and I think that sometimes we just feel like, why would He? Why would he care? And the devil comes in and causes us to, to look up to heaven and wonder, why, God, would you, would you even remotely want me? Let me tell you this morning, God not only wants you, he loves you, and he said, no matter what happens, I will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter how bad we fail, folks, he's always going to be there, sometimes waiting patiently in line, unfortunately, because we put him back there, but my God said he would never leave us. No matter how bad the failure may be in your life, I'm telling you, you can overcome it, not by your strength, but by the strength of God Almighty, just as he did with Peter. Even when we fail, if we are secure in our salvation, if we know that we know that my salvation does not depend on anything I've done, I cannot save myself nor you. But if I know I've been saved by the one who loves me, more than anything, that I also know he loves me beyond my failures. He knew what was going to happen, and he chose to make that pathway available to me anyway. If you've been born again, you are forever 
changed. You are safe in his mighty hands. In verse 31 and 32, it talks about how Satan asked God, let me just sift Peter. Let me sift him as the wheat. Satan, the, the, the accuser, had to ask, first of all, God. God is still sovereign. But he says, let me sift Peter. Let me make him fall. Why? Because he wanted to take that chaff and throw it back in God's face. So he asked permission. Let me just rip him apart. Satan wanted to, to, to sift Peter to condemn him. But Jesus allowed that sifting to happen right there in order to cleanse him. Jesus knew there was some chaff in his life. Jesus knew that Peter had some issues. Jesus knew there were some things that needed to be dealt with. But he also knew Jesus, that Peter wasn't going to deal with it until he became aware of it. So he told Satan, yeah, do what you need to do. So Satan had a malevolent motive. But Jesus had a benevolent motive. Jesus knew what really was going to happen. Jesus used the devil's tool, if you will, to help Peter out. To make sure that Peter could see, this was your weakness. Now you know it. Now you can choose to stay in it, or you can choose to get up. Folks, let me tell you this morning. Jesus is not concentrating on the chaff in your life. We have it. He sees the wheat. He sees the good part. And he wants to cleanse you. He wants to cleanse me. He wants to use us in his ministry. He knows there's bad things. He knows there's failures. He knows how big and how bad your failure may be. Don't allow Satan to make you stay down in that failure. Look to God and move forward. Three things Jesus knew about Peter. One, there was failure. But two, he knew that Peter had faith. And because of that, he knew there was a future. Folks, let me tell you this morning that if you have faith, God knows your failure, and he says there is a future. But you've got to get up and take it. You've got to get up and put your faith back into his hands. Peter, you blew it. God's saying, you've blown it big time. The cock has crowed, and you did exactly like I said you would do. You denied me three times. But I'm going to help you get up. I'm I'm going to make you stronger for it. I'm going to make you more able-bodied. I am going to give you that that understanding now that can only come from on high. Peter, you had to see this in your life to recognize that it's something you have to guard against. Your courage was great, and you thought it was great enough that you didn't need me. But now you see that even in your strongest point, you need me. And now that you know that, you'll get back up, and you'll be used. Peter, believe it or not, you're going to step out. Even though you're crying right now, even though you see me being crucified, though you denied me in front of these people, you're in a few weeks, you're going to step out on a balcony. You're going to preach my name. And over 3,000 people are going to come to be saved because you have faith enough to realize that it's not about your failure, it's about me. Peter, you're going to write a big portion of the scriptures that's going to be for, throughout time. People are going to hear your story. You're, you're going to volunteer to be crucified upside down in my name. Peter, there is a future for you if you choose not to stay in this failure. And folks, I would say this morning, you can insert your name there. We can choose to stay in our failures, which all of us have some, and some of us more than others. Some of us have failures that are huge. But I think it's not a debate to know that Peter's was pretty large as well. But Jesus later on comes to Peter on the beach and says, Do you love me? 
Yes, Lord, with all my heart. There's a future for Peter. And there's a future for you. There's a future for me. Maybe we failed the Lord. Who hasn't? I guarantee you, you can go to the most pious, self-centered Christian there is. And you can find somewhere in their past they failed the Lord. We all have failed at one time or another. We've all fallen at one time or another. The trick is, did we get back up? Did we get back up? As long as we do not fail to be saved, as long as we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we always have a pathway of redemption. It is we who choose to stay in our failure or to change our lives, to make Christ a big enough reason to step forward and say, I choose to change. Christians, can you see your, 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 your sovereign Lord behind your struggles you're in today? Can you see God in your life? Let me tell you, He is sympathetic, He is sovereign, and you can be secure in the fact of knowing that you're in His hands. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would say that it's time to step out of those failures that's beating up your self-esteem, and stand up and say, I am someone in the, in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then I would say to you today that my God is calling to you. No matter how many times you've denied Him in the past, no matter how many things you've done against the Lord maybe, He died so that whomsoever shall not perish if they believe. If they believe that He is the Son of God, resurrected from the dead, so shall they be saved. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ and you call upon Him this day and you truly believe with your heart, He'll move into your life and no matter how bad you may have been, the world may still call you a low down this, that, and the other. But you'll know inside, my God calls me Son. My God calls me daughter. My God calls me his. And those of you that are in the midst of your failure, I can't tell you it's easy to climb up, but I can tell you you can look up and he'll pull you out of it. And that can be a way of failing forward, moving ahead, getting closer to the man or woman that God's called you to be. If if God could close the beaks of all the roosters in the land till he tells them to crow, then he can close the beaks of the people around you that's telling you you're nothing. And he can tell you to stand up and be proud for whom he is. Where are you this morning? If you don't know the Lord, that's first and foremost. Accept that call that's upon your heart. If you do know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, and you're in the midst of that, that battle right now, don't give up. You can come to this altar and pray. You can pray where you're at. You can pray unceasingly all day long. But don't give up. Don't lay down in the midst of your failure. The one who survives is the one that gets off the field and makes it to the brush line. Gets back to their, their, their command post. Back to their Lord. But if you just lay there, 
Satan's going to walk by and step on you. Where are you at this morning? It's your decision to make. I'm telling you, no matter how bad the world's telling you you failed, my God's saying he's bigger. And the decision's up to you now. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. As I said, this altar will be open. I'll come out there there if you need me to. You can pray where you're at. Come to this altar and pray. Come down here and I'll pray with you. You may want to grab your neighbor and pray with your neighbor. Whatever God's telling you to do, that's what you need to do. And if you're recognizing, maybe it's he that's pointing out your failures right now. Don't close your eyes. Say, thank you, Jesus, for showing me the error of my heart. And step out and change it. You can choose the reason for change. Whether you do it or not is yours. God's not going to force it. He's asking you. Will you let him? As we pray. Father God, I come before you this morning to, to thank you for pointing this passage of Scripture out to me again that no matter, even if we've denied you in the past, as long as there's breath in our bodies, we have the opportunity to ask for forgiveness. As John read in his passage of Scripture to us a while ago, Lord God, we are to forgive others as you have forgiven us, and you have forgiven us all. That you say in 1 John 1, 9, if we are faithful and true to confess all our sins unto you, you are faithful and true to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So God, help us to do that thing. Make us the people you've called us to be. Let us go from this church today, Lord God, cleansed and with a sense of, of, of urgency of changing and becoming exactly what you want us to do. Not lying in our failures, but stepping ahead as men and women of God. May your will be done in this time of invitation, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing this morning, if God's speaking to you, will you do what he's calling you to do? Maybe he's telling you just to lift up holy hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I can't, we don't see it in the scriptures, but I can only imagine throughout the rest of Peter's life how many times he has held up his hands when he thought about that fateful day and said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you chose to love me when I turned my back on you. How many of us should just say, thank you, Jesus, as we sing? <clears throat>